It's my pleasure again to be back with the church here. Uh, got a lot of you see a lot of close affiliations here, especially with Brother Steve and Brother Steve. Uh, everyone here. Uh, I was talking to my brother, and he was recalling that when he lived in Washington D.C. in New York, he came to this church quite often, along with Columbia and Wilmington and some of the other churches, uh, the London Track Church back in that day. And my father came here and spoke probably 50 years ago, so I've got a lot of good memories back at this location. Uh, I'm on my way. Uh, my wife and I are heading up to uh, New Jersey uh, to be with my son today. Uh, his son and his fiance they've been trying to get married for some time, and uh, COVID has restricted that, so we're hoping we can uh, make, make a little more permanent plans now that, we, that we're getting through COVID and getting through most of it. I want to speak to you today on a very basic subject uh, that all of you know, familiar with generally, and that's life and death. Uh, that's something we all understand, life and death. I mean, it's not hard to figure out. We're alive now, and at some point in time we'll die. But there's a lot of confusion associated with it. Confusion that started a long time ago about what's the meaning of life and what's the meaning of death is there one death is there one life before i do that i want to talk to the kids we've got a lot of kids here this morning and i want to speak to a number of the kids now y'all can uh, let your parents go to sleep here for a couple of minutes and we'll we'll tell you when to wake them up in a little bit but i want to talk to the kids about life and death any of you know what that is I'm not going to ask the old people. They're going to know. <laughs> Let me show you what you do with this. It's a yo-yo. It goes down. It comes back up. Now, I used to be really pretty good with this back when I was a kid. I'm not as good as I once was, but uh, I want to show you something here because I want to talk to you about our life and our death. I want you to tell me What's in the yo-yo and tell me when it stops. It leaves my hand. When does it stop when it, until it touches my hand again? When did that yo-yo stop? Before it got back to my hand. Anybody see it stop? You know, the Lord comes down and puts life in us. Puts it into it, gives it to us. And then when we die, He takes our life back from us. Takes us, our soul and our spirit. He puts, when you're born, He puts your soul and your spirit in you. And that's who you are. What you are. Otherwise, you're just a, a lifeless body, like a, a dummy, a mannequin. And the Lord puts life and spirit in you. He comes down and puts it in you. And when you die, the first thing that happens, He takes that soul and spirit back to heaven. That's why, you know, they talk about sometimes us Baptists are not afraid of death. Because we know that dying, you actually get better. Now, that's hard for us to understand. But it's very hard and difficult to understand because I'm alive and I want to live and I want to keep living. But I want to talk to you about, from God's perspective, how long our life is. Does that yo-yo stop? It has to stop. It's going down, and then it turns around and comes back up. So it has to stop somewhere. 
but it's pretty fast, isn't it? It looks like it's one continuous motion, but it has to stop because it's going south down and it turns around and comes right back up to the top. The time that it stops, that's how long our life is here on earth in the eyes of the Lord. It's just a split second. And I'm going, wait a minute, no, I'm, you know, I want to live to be 70 and 80 and 90. I want a long time. And that's, I focus on my life now. I want it to be a long time. But that's how long that yo-yo stops on the bottom is how long our life is in the eyes of the Lord. You know, we've got a song we sing. It's called Amazing Grace. And I don't believe it's the verses in this book, but one of the verses is, talking about being in heaven. When we've been there 10,000 years, we've no less days to sing God praise than when we first begun. says, we're going to go there and be there 10,000 years, and that's just the beginning. Well, 10,000 years, that's eternity to me. I mean, you know, I, you know we, if we're lucky on this earth, if we're fortunate, the Lord tells us we'll live 70 years plus. He gives us an incentive to live. If you honor your mother and father, that He'll make your days on the earth longer. He gives you a reward for living longer if you, if you honor He'll follow His commandments. So we want to live a long time. But no matter how long you live, how long you eat, it's just a second. It's maybe not even that long in the eyes of the Lord. Just long enough for that yo-yo to stop at the bottom. I want to talk to you about life and death this morning. About We, we focus on our life here. I want to focus on another part of life. This is a confusing subject because in the Bible, we talk about life and death. And you know, there are three kinds of death. There's a physical death. There's a spiritual death. And there's an eternal death. But there's also life. We have a physical life, and that's what we enjoy now. We have a spiritual life that the Lord gives us. And we have an eternal life. What I want us to focus on is death. All forms of death are caused by sin. The sin of man, you, and that's who sins. It's, it's, it's sin in some form or fashion. Death is caused by sin. Every type of death. Physical death, uh, spiritual death, and eternal death. And I want to talk about that in a minute from the Bible perspective. But also life. We have three different kinds of life. We have physical life, which we enjoy. We have spiritual life. And we have eternal life. Now, whereas death is caused by sin, in every case, God gives life. He gives us physical life, He gives us spiritual life, and He gives us eternal life. Our, our death comes because of us and our sins, but our life comes solely because of God. Our physical life, our spiritual life, and our eternal life. Let's go back on this and let's start from the beginning. But just remember that. Number one, the rule. One rule. I guess it's broken into two parts. Sin causes death, but God gives life. All three, all kinds of death are caused by sin. All kinds of life are caused by God. Given to us by God. That's an important rule to remember. Sometimes we get those confused. When the Bible speaks sometimes about death and it talks about life, it's using different ones and it's confusing and Satan is right there going to confuse it for you. Let's talk about that a few minutes. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 7. Excuse me. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. When God first created man, it says, uh, <coughs> And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of the life and man became a living soul. 
Right there, God gave man life. It's up to God. God formed him out of the dirt in the ground, a handful of dirt, and formed a man out of it. You know, and our bodies are not worth but a, a few dollars chemically. They're only worth a few dollars at best until God puts life into us, and then that makes us worth a whole lot more. We'll go out of our way. This country, we know, has a reputation for going out of its way to try to save one life. God gives us life, gives us physical life, as He did Adam back in the start of it. And out of, uh, I'll skip around here a little bit, but you know, they were in the Garden of Eden and God, God gave Adam and Eve instructions. First of all, Adam, he said, out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. He made all the Garden of Eden full of good things to eat. Every tree, every bush, and it was good to eat. But he said then, and, they, and good for food and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, there were two trees. Sometimes we only talk about one, but there were two trees in the Garden of Eden. One was the tree of life. You ate of that tree, and Adam eating of that tree gave him eternal life. He had continual life. He could have lived forever. But there's also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of that tree, the Lord instructed him. He says, you may eat of every tree in the garden. You may freely eat, verse 16 and 17. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The day you eat of this one tree, you shall die. That's one of the commandments he gave. Every other tree you can eat, including the tree of life. As long as you eat from that tree of life, you can live forever. He said, but the day you eat of the other tree, the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. Number one rule. Adam could have lived forever. But what did he do? He failed to Satan's temptation. Over in chapter 3, it's kept around here, we had Satan come along in the form of a serpent, very subtle, and uh, Satan went and talked to uh, the woman and said, uh, and the, the woman, you know, he said, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden of, in the Garden of Eden? Now this is what Satan does to us. Remember, the Garden of Eden was full of tremendous fruits and vegetables and all things that were good to eat. He said, you can eat of every one of them. You can have all you want of all of them, including the tree of life. But there's one tree uh, that you shouldn't focus on, that you shouldn't see. If you eat of that tree, it's the knowledge of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of that, thou shalt surely die. And why did Satan come along? Why didn't God let you eat out of all the trees? Why did God do this to you? That tree over there is really pretty good. You know, and Eve said, we're not supposed to eat of that tree. Satan's going to focus on those things that you're not supposed to do. And he does. And when he does, he tempts you. When you tempt you, that's when you get yourself in sin. And that's when we cause problems. That's when it causes death. He says here, <clears throat> she said, we're not supposed to eat of every tree that's in the midst of the garden. And serpent said unto her, did he say you shall die? Ye shall not surely die. Satan says, you're not going to die. Started confusion right there. God says, if you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. He said, you're not going to die. It started the confusion right there. God was talking, you know, and, and, and we know that when they ate of that, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. They died spiritually because they were separated from the Lord, separated in relationships with the Lord. And they, you know, they didn't die uh, <coughs> uh, in the thing that we think of, and that's part of the confusion. Part of the, the things that confuses all of us is when they died, they didn't die physically. And that's what we think of. And it's important when you're reading the Bible to understand the context of what we're talking about 
when he's talking about life and death and the three forms of life and death. Life again is given by God. Physical life, he's given us that. Let's talk about it. He says, uh, you know, you, you shall be, your eyes will be open and you shall know the gods. And uh, of course we know Eve ate of that tree, Adam ate of that tree and their eyes were open and they began to see. They saw that they were naked. And we know that's, that's a bad thing to be from, but in them, they recognized fun. They didn't realize they were naked. They didn't realize sin. They were without sin until the aid of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that day, they lost something. They died. Now, what did that problem cause? What did that problem cause? The Lord said unto him, Behold, man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take of the tree of life and eat there forever, he drove the man and the woman out of the way, and he set up a guard at the gate of the garden to eat them, eating and make sure they couldn't get to the tree of life. He had the opportunity to have eternal life, which is what we all want. But they were taken away from the tree of life when they did that. They sinned because of the temptation of Satan. They sinned. And they lost eternal life right there because they could no longer eat of the tree of life. He said, because, Behold, man has become one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever, God banned them from the Garden of Eden. He could have had eternal life. And we've been trying to get it ever since, hadn't we? They lost that opportunity and we all want that now. But we don't understand what that means. What did that cause? What kind of problem did that cause when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden when they did not follow God's command? What happened there? I'm going to jump over to Romans here real quick. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Talking about Adam. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed on all men, for all have sinned. <clears throat> sin caused us to have death. Death physically. Adam could have lived forever. He and Eve could have. Now, once he was kicked out of the Garden of Eden, couldn't eat out of the tree of life, the minute your body starts decaying and dying. You know, the minute we're born, we start dying. Now, it takes 70, 60, 70 years for us to die, but that sin, we are now, sin was brought on all of us because of that, and we don't have eternal life. We don't have the ability to have eternal life because Adam passed his original sin down to us. From that day forward, the minute we're born, we start to die. At some point in time, we're going to die, and that's a little scary. It kind of gets scary to think, I'm going to die one of these days. And I used to think when I was a small child that, well, that's a long time to live to be 60 or 70 years old. Not now. When I look back, it passes pretty fast. So I'm looking at, at natural death because of Adam's sin on us. All of us inherited that sin. Because of that initial sin, we've all inherited death. Sin. Sin of man caused that death. Now, we can die today, and it's going to be because, if we get old, it's going to be because we inherited that sin from Adam. But if we inherited it naturally, too. We're going to have natural death because our bodies don't have, we don't have access to that tree of life like Adam did. And we're all going to die from that day forward. We're all going to die a physical death. We're going to die physically. But because of what he did, we're all born like him. We're all born sinners. We don't have spiritual life. You know, and they would cause spiritual death to us. Adam caused spiritual death to all of us. And we all have spiritual death. You can go read over there in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. It says, uh, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. You're dead spiritually. 
until God gives you life spiritually. But you will cause, that initial sin caused us to be dead spiritually. We're dead spiritually. We'll, we'll be dead. And you know, if you go over and read Romans, you read Romans chapter 1 and 2, and it talks about it takes righteousness to get to heaven. James says, but if you violated even one small letter of the law, you violated all the law, you become unrighteous. In chapter 3 of Romans, he tells us that every one of us are sin. We all become sinners. We all become sinners, and therefore we'd be bound to go to eternal death. We'd be bound to go to hell for our sins. That's where we're headed to. That's eternal death. We're headed to unless something intervenes and heads that off. Sin causes physical death. Sin causes spiritual death, separation from God. Sin causes eternal death. All those are caused by the sin of man. Now, I may not make it to 70. I may die early because of the sin of some other man. We get mad at each other and, you know, we will we'll hurt each other. We'll shoot each other. I may eat poorly, which I have been known to do, eat poorly. And then I have to go in and have some kind of heart surgery or I have to take uh, care of my body with medicine of some kind to try to prolong my life because I endanger my own body. If I follow the law of Moses, I could live a whole lot longer. I wouldn't die quite as fast because he told us in there there are certain things we shouldn't eat, unclean foods we shouldn't eat, we should take care of ourselves. And when we do that, and through the use of medicine and our knowledge that the Lord has blessed us with, we can live longer. So we can stretch it out, but we're still going to die. We're going to die naturally. Because we are born with the sin of Adam, we're dead spiritually. Until something happens, it helps that. A lot of people want to say, we can do it ourselves. You can accept God, but of course, you're, then you're saying I can act spiritually even though I'm not spiritually. <clears throat> we have to have spiritual life before we even understand that we have spiritual life. But you're dead spiritually, and you will be dead eternally because of sin. You know, over there in the book of James, chapter 1, I believe it's verse 15, it says, Sin, when it has fully developed, when it is complete, its whole purpose in life is to cause death. Every kind of death. Natural death, spiritual death, <clears throat> and eternal death. And that's what sin is there. James tells us, when it has finished, when it has reached its full purpose, that's the whole purpose of Satan and sin is to cause us death. Sin causes death, and they do it by tempting us, just like the dead Adam and Eve. It'll tempt me to eat food I shouldn't eat. It'll tempt me not to go to church. It'll tempt me to do a lot of things I shouldn't be doing spiritually. It'll tempt me... Uh, in every sort of way I can, and it would cause eternal death except for God. And God comes in and changes that. Romans says, uh, in Romans 5, by one man centered in the world, and so death by sin, and death passed upon men, for all have sinned. We've all sinned. We're in a mess of hurt. We're going to die physically. We're going to die spiritually. We're going to die eternally because of sin. We get over here to verse five uh, in, in chapter five, verse nineteen. It says, "For by one man's disobedience, that's talking about Adam. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, that's talking about Christ, shall many be made righteous. You get your righteousness because of God. God gives you spiritual life. What Adam took away, God gives to us. God is the one to give it. That's the only place you get it from. You know, there's a lot of people who say, well." Adam's death in the Garden of Eden <coughs> was predestinated. You believe in absolute predestination, you believe in that. He was, he was, if you believe absolutely, he died, and you'll hear this term absolute used from time to time. You died in the Garden of Eden because you were predestinated to die. If Adam was predestinated to die in the Garden of Eden, 
if he was supposed to, if that was God's will, then when he when he ate of that fruit, he'd have been doing God's will. He had to eat of the fruit and die in order to follow God's will or predestination, if that's the case. He would be following God's will if he was predestined to fall in the Garden of Eden. But look what Apostle Paul says here, verse 13. For by one man's disobedience, Adam was disobeying God when he ate of that fruit. He wasn't predestinated to die. He died of his own will, just like we do. We die. I die every day when you sin a little bit. I shouldn't. But I, I die if it wasn't, but for, we'll talk about it in a minute. One for God. The next part of this. <clears throat> so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteousness. Uh, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You know, you have to understand our depravity and the depravity of man and our, we're going to sin, we're going to sin uh, physically, we're going to sin spiritually, and we would die uh, because of our sin, except grace much more abounds, except for the grace of God. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness and to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We get eternal life solely because God intervenes in this process and gives it to us. Because He loves you that much to give it to you. Let's go back and, I mean, we look at this, but let's go back now to death. We die uh, death because of, of sin. All forms of fashion, every form of death. The basic rule is sin causes death naturally, spiritually, and eternally. Again, if we don't, you know, Romans chapter 2 tells us the only way we get to heaven is by righteousness. Sin causes us to, I mean, yeah, sin causes us to die all forms of death, every form of death. God steps in and intervenes in that process, and that's the only way we have it. The only way we have life is because of the Lord. Go back and look again now. Start again here. Now, let's look on the life side of this. You know, we have, I said, you know, Preachers don't like to preach about depravity. We don't want to tell you how bad you are and how much of good sinners you are. But you have to understand this doctrine before you appreciate the doctrine of God's grace. If you understand the depravity of man, then you appreciate so much the fact that the Lord loves us and gave us His grace even though we didn't earn it, even though we didn't deserve it. He does it through His own love. God breathed into His... his uh, uh, nostrils, the breath of life, and made him a living soul. We can read in the Bible some nin- numerous examples of where uh, people die, and immediately it shows their, their spirit left them immediately. God puts it in you, and when, he, when you die, your spirit then leaves you immediately, and it goes to be in heaven with the Lord, your spirit. And we'll talk about your body here in a minute, but your spirit goes immediately to be the Lord. The first thing God puts in you when you're conceived is the breath of life. And makes you a living soul. The last, the last thing that happens to you when you die is he takes that soul away immediately before you're even buried. Within a few seconds of the time you die, you're gone. The spirit's gone back to be with God. That's what I've tried to show you with that the yo-yo deal. He puts the spirit in, and the minute you die, he takes it back up. And we we can go through the Bible and see that because we see where many of them died and had their funeral several days later, but God took back their spirit uh, spirit immediately talk about life and we see that natural life God gives it to us God uses the example in this book many times of how he does something naturally to show us how it works spiritually I want to look over here to uh, 
the book of Luke. Book of Luke, we have to, well, in the Bible, New Testament, we have three examples where God brought someone back to life. Three clear examples where in one of his miracles, he would give people life. He shows us this, how he gives physical life, but he also shows it to demonstrate how he gives us spiritual life and eternal life. Very good signs of the way he does that. The first one here is in uh, Luke chapter 7. He raised the widow's son, the widow of Nain, N-A-I-M. Said he was going into the city of Nain with his disciples, and he had a lot of people following. And as he entered the city, beginning in chapter 7 of Luke, verse 11 and 12, as he entered the city, they were carrying out a dead man, the only son of a widow. And they carried him out overhead on an open casket. They called it a bier, kind of like a little pallet. You've seen these on TVs where they'll carry someone over their head on a little wood covered with flowers and stuff. That's how they carried him out to the cemetery to bury him. They were going out of town as Jesus was coming into town. Jesus came, he saw the widow, this is her only son, apparently he's a young man, he's died, and of course uh, you know, the widow would be depending on the young man to help her out through life, and he's dead, so she's got nothing left, and said, Lord had compassion on her, told her to weep not, and then all Jesus had to do was speak. This man is dead physically, he'd been dead probably maybe at least a day, about a day, at least, and says, young man, I say unto thee, arise. At the sound of Jesus' voice, this man rose up <clears throat> on his funeral platform, rose up and spoke, and Jesus said, gave it back to the mother. He, he, he had compassion on her. She needed her son. He gave it back to her. But all he had to do was speak. I'm going to go over here now in Mark chapter 5. This one's a little extended, so I'm, I'm going to short, shortcut it here in the interest of time. It was Jairus' daughter. Jairus was a young Jewish leader. <clears throat> he had a daughter who was very sick, and he tried to get Jesus to come and help him. And Jesus got delayed on the way. This is and the day was caused by a lady who touched the hem of his garment. Y'all remember this? And she had a blood issue, and that blood issue was healed simply by her touching the garment. And Jesus knew it when someone touched his garment. And he turned around and looked. That's on his way to Jairus's house. Because of his delay, when he finished addressing this woman who had touched the hem of his garment, they said, "Well." There's no need for you to come now because the young girl has died. You know, and Jesus said, we're still going to go over there to her house and see her. He went over to the house and saw her, and everybody was crying and wailing. And, and uh, Matthew, the version in Matthew tells us that there were a lot of musicians there playing and making a lot of noise. I remember as a kid going to some of these funerals, and you've heard me talk about my dad. My dad was, well, there will be the, a lot of mourners there. There's a lot of people, and that's what was taking place at this house. A lot of people there mourning. And, and they, they take great pains. It seems like the further you get away from the family, the more people come and show up and cry. That's what he's talking about that's going on here. You've got a lot of people here that just create problems if you know because they're crying. Most of the family has recognized it and is handling it with some dignity, but there's always some funeral mourners that are there that are, are traditional mourners that go over to everybody else's house and sit. And he describes that's taking place. And they're even paying some death music over in the version in Matthew. But he gets there and he said, first of all, y'all get out. He runs them all out of the room. He takes three of his apostles, James, John, uh, lost the other one, James, John, and uh, Peter. Should, how could I forget Peter? James, John, and Peter takes them in there with him, and the mother and the dad. He goes into this woman, neighbors, the crowd was there, and they said, what do you make this to do? She's dead. And he says, she's not dead, she's asleep. Look at the, thing, the comparison that, that Jesus uses here, because I want to talk to you about it in a minute. I want you to remember this. Jesus said, She's not dead. She's asleep. 
asleep. Remember that. That's how Jesus compares the death. Is that she's just asleep. And of course he goes in, takes her by the hand, and he says, Damsel, arise. And straight away the, the young girl raises up in the bed, and then Jesus tells them, commanded that she be given something to eat. Now, what I want you to see is the comparison of here how Jesus gives us spiritual life. He's given natural life, and He gives us an example for a reason. He's given gives us spiritual life the same way. Did the little girl have anything to do with her life being restored? No, nothing. She had nothing to do with that. It occurred because of the sound of His voice. If you go over here in John chapter 3, it talks about being born again. You know, that's where the, we had this big fuss about you must be born again. See the kingdom of God. And everybody says, before you're not born again, you better go get yourself born again. <clears throat> if you look in that, even in that verses, he tells us he compares physical, physical birth with natural birth. <clears throat> and he says, marvel not at this. I say you must be born again. You need to know it, but don't make a big deal out of it. That's in the law. Say, don't make a federal case out of this, but you need to understand it. He goes on to describe that, you know, that you get, you get a spiritual life the same way you get natural life. How much did you control natural life? Brother Steve, did you go tell your mother and dad what day you wanted to be born on? You didn't do that physically because you you couldn't you weren't born physically. You can't do anything physically until you've been born physically, and he describes that. You can't do anything spiritually until you've been born spiritually. You gotta go out and say, you better go out and accept Christ as your Savior. You can't do that until you've already have spiritual life. If you're making that decision, you've already been saved. You've already got spiritual life. If you have the ability to make that. We don't get, we're giving the credit to ourselves rather than to God about I made the decision to get myself born again. And he goes on and tells us, he says, it's like the Spirit of God when He comes on you and makes you born again. It's like the wind. You can't see it coming. You can't see it going. You can see the effect of it. I can't see the wind. I can see the trees blowing and moving <clears throat> after it's hit. I can see when somebody's being born again because you can see the effect in their life. They may not know, but you see a change in their life. You know, the, the two things, two people in the Bible that everybody agrees on, need to hurry up here, everybody agrees on about being born again. There's two people, everybody agrees. John the Baptist. He was born again in his mother's womb. That's very clear back in chapter Luke. You can see because he jumped in his womb and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And everybody agrees. That's when John the Baptist was born again. The other one is Apostle Paul. On the road to Damascus, he was struck down, and the Lord appeared to him. And everybody agrees that's when he was born again. Almost the whole world—you won't get any debate out of the whole world on those two people. They all agree they were born again. How much control did John the Baptist have over being born again? How much did the Apostle Paul? He was struck down on his way to go do harm to the church and to the cause of Christ. Neither one of those guys had any control at all. And you'll tell that to people, and they say, "Well, but those are two special people." Well, they were. They also said those were special circumstances. No, they weren't. They were special people because of who they are in the Bible. We go back and read John, John chapter 3 when it talks about it, how he's moving by the Spirit. And it'll say, it's like the Spirit comes. You can't see it coming. You can't see it going. You can't control it. But it said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. They all happen the same way. There are no exceptions. John the Baptist, Apostle Paul were both born by the direct intervention of God it's coming and circumcising them in their heart, appearing to them, putting their, His law into their mind and heart. That's the way you're born again. Amen. Not because you have any control of it, because God comes in and gives you spiritual life. He gave you natural life 
He comes in and gives you spiritual life. I quoted from Ephesians a while ago. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. That's not talking about physical death. It's talking about spiritual death. You were dead because of the sin of Adam, but God comes in and quickens you, calls you, makes you born again, regenerates you. It's all the work of God. He gives you life. I talked about, you know, we talked about physical life, and I've mentioned Darius, son of Jairus, and, and the last one I will go to here, you all are familiar with this one, the last example of, of Christ in the Bible that gave, raised someone from the dead is in the book of John, chapter 11, a guy named Lazarus. You all are familiar with this story. You know, God even has heard that Lazarus is sick and he piddles around two or three days. I mean, that's my words. <laughs> he fools around, waits around, and he gets there, Lazarus has been dead four days. And they said, Lord, you're too late now. And he said, well, they've been buried him. And he said, well, I want you to open up the tomb. Roll the stone back and open it up. And they go, Lord, he's been dead four days. He's stinking. And again, I told you all these examples are to show to us what spiritual life is like, how he gives us spiritual life. He uses a physical form because we understand that. I understand. I understand somebody brings back to life. I see it. I'm going, I don't know how he did it, but I understand that God gave that brought that back. He gives us these examples to show us how we are born again spiritually. How we are given life spiritually by this example of Lazarus. He goes in to see Lazarus and he said, Lord, he's been dead four days. He's stinking. He's rotting. He's smelling. We understand that. You know, people go in and you see sometimes in police crimes, they'll go in and look and somebody will be dead and they'll, boy, they'll cover up their nose because they've started stinking or smelling and sort of rotting away. That's what happens to us. That's clearly what happened to us. That's the way the Lord finds us spiritually. We are depraved to the extent and we're sinners enough that the Lord finds us that way. Now, you know, none of us like to think of ourselves as sinners and I'm not rotten to the core. Yeah, I am. Yeah, Apostle Paul tells us in chapter 3 of, of Romans that you, none of you do good. Not a single one of us. None of us are righteous. Not a single one of us are righteous. <clears throat> and only because of the gift of God do we get righteousness. He finds us just like he found Lazarus. We are dead and we're stinking in our sins and trespasses. You think, well, I hadn't murdered anybody and I hadn't done all these things. And James says, if you violate one letter of the law, you violated the entire law. Anybody in here say they haven't committed a single sin in their lifetime ever? No. We violated the entire law. You know, as a matter of law, as we say in the law, we violated the entire law, and so we are, we are dead, dead in trespasses and sins, and He comes in and quickens us. That's what He did with Lazarus. He found Lazarus dead and stinking, and He got there and they said, well, you know, why are you going? He's dead. He says, what did Jesus say? He's not dead. He's asleep. Again. He was the same turd he did back on Jairus. He's not dead. He's asleep. And his apostle goes, I think he's dead, Lord. <laughs> and Jesus says, all right, for your understanding, he's dead. He said, I told you, he's sleeping. He goes in there to Lazarus. They roll the tomb back and it stinks, I'm sure. He walks in there and he said, Lazarus, I've got a proposition for you. If I offer you my life, will you accept it? Did he say that? Would Lazarus have said anything? Lazarus is dead. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus was totally mummified, wrapped in cloth. And Lazarus came off of that table because of the voice, the sound of God. He came off of that table and nobody helped him. And then Jesus said, take off his blinds and let him see. That's the work of the ministry. That's the work of, of Brother Steve and Brother Steve and hopefully myself. Is that take off the blinds and let somebody that's been saved spiritually, let him see. 
Lord comes in and saves you, and then the work of ministry is done. Now let me show you. Let me show you what He's done. Now that you can see, now that you can hear, let me show you. I've used this example many times. You know, if I came to this church at nighttime and I came in here and I'm going, I can't see anything because the lights are out. So I'll go over here and get the light switch and turn it on and I'm going, wow, there's lots of pews in this room. I guess turning the light switch must have put them on in there. Put, them, put those pews in there. No, it didn't. It let me see what was already there. That's the work of the ministry is to show you what God has already done for you. What He's already done to you. That's, you see, he had three examples of him giving us physical life in the Bible. All of them are there to indicate to us how he gives us all life. He gives it because of the goodness of his heart and he has compassion on us. How does he give us a spiritual life? Again, you go read John 3 when you're born again. If you read that carefully, everybody says you've got to be born again, but nobody goes and reads it. Go read John 3 and you'll see it's the work of the Lord. If you read all the way through it, it's not our work. We don't do that. It's the work of the Lord. You know, like I said, Ephesians 2 and 1 says, You had he quickened who were dead. You don't have the ability to accept Christ until he gives it to you. You go back over here to Romans chapter 6. I've talked to you about God gives us physical life. He's the one that gives you the actual breath of life. He gives you spiritual life. As he does in John 3 and Ephesians 1, just a couple of examples. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. All forms of death. The wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Your eternal life is the gift of God. He gives it to us. He gives us that eternal life. Let me go over here to 2 Timothy. And let me show you something. 2 Timothy, I'm not going to quote you anything you hadn't already heard. I just want to point you to this as how it, it plays in life and death. Second uh, Timothy 1 and 9, the God who saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, nothing because you have done, but according to His own purpose and grace given us in Christ Jesus before the world begins when He gave it to you. But He has, is now made manifest. He's now revealing it to us. Now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who hath abolished death. Now what does Christ do? He abolishes death. You don't die. He abolishes death. Think about that. We're all going to die someday. Today. No, we're not. We're going to go to sleep. Our bodies are going to go to sleep. But He has abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He brought life. What do you do in your day-to-day -day life? God letting you know that God gives you that life. That's what the preaching of the gospel is about. It's just to tell you what He's already done. He has brought life and immortality. What He gives you eternally, that's brought to light. You already have it. You already have life and you already have immortality, but He brings that to you by the preaching of the gospel. A child of God never dies. One who God chose before the foundation of the world, I believe that's everyone in this room. I don't know who's in the last book of life. I can't see it. I've not been given privy to it. It won't be open until the end of time. But the Lord gives us examples. You're supposed to know, as a child of God, you're supposed to have a pretty good feeling. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're here at church here on Sunday morning. And hopefully near the end of the COVID problem. But you all came out here. You came out here for a reason. Something in your heart told you you need to come to church. You're a child of God. I believe that, surely. As the Apostle Paul tells me, I've got a blessed assurance that you're a child of God. And you're here. 
you know, every child of God never dies. You will not die. Now, <clears throat> because He's given you life. He's given you life on earth. He's given you spiritual life to see how He works. And you will not die physically. Your body will die physically, but immediately your spirit goes to heaven and it will be joined up together back in time. Got a couple more verses and then I'll be through. Go over here to John chapter 5. Starting with verse 24. Give you some examples here. This is Jesus speaking. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, you hear me right now, and believeth. And I, I think there's emphasis in that ETH on end. I think that's perfect tense. And that perfect tense means it's lasting all through the process. It's past, present, and future. He that heareth my word, that means you have the ability to hear the word before you even may hear it physically. You heareth the word and believeth on him that sent me. Hath, you presently have everlasting life. If you can come and hear the gospel and you believe it, then that means you already have everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The minute we think we die, we pass into eternal life at that point. In verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. I believe that's both spiritually and eternally. They that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so has he given the Son to have life in himself, and God hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of God. Marvel not at this. Again, don't make a federal case out of this, but understand it. Know it. Don't make a big deal, but understand. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. All. Everybody that's in the grave. Those are children of God and those that are not. Your spirit's in heaven, but we're all in the grave. Everybody's going to hear that at some time. There's one resurrection all at one time. Everybody's going to hear it. And then shall come forth out of the graves. They'd have that have done good into the resurrection of life. Now, why did you do good? Because Christ made you good. Christ gave you His righteousness. Because they've done good into the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil into the resurrection of damnation. There'll be one call at the end of time. I'll close with, with this. I want to go over to Thessalonians. This is where I want you to remember. God gave us a good example about when, we were, when, when people were dying. He said, no, they're not dying. They're not dead physically. They're asleep. Thessalonians, y'all have heard this one before. Fifth, uh, fourth chapter of Thessalonians. I'll jump to this right here. When the, when the end of time comes, it says, And the Lord Himself... Let me back up a verse. That's what I intend to do. Um, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the Word of God. Now, those that are already died and gone to heaven will come back with Him. That's what He's saying. <clears throat> that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. That's the bodies in the grave that are asleep. He refers to that as asleep. At the end of time it's asleep. When you die, your body just sleeps. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those are the ones that are asleep. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in heaven, then in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You can go read the 15th chapter of Thessalonians over there, and it talks about when Christ comes with the resurrection, He, eliminates, he abolishes death. It talks about abolishing death. Death loses its, 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 its sting, and the grave loses its victory. God gives you life. He gives you eternal life.
you're going to get to go on and live in eternity. You know, I think 60, 70 years is old, and I'm in that range now. I think that's old. That's just an instant in a lifetime. You know, during the COVID started, and I'll close with this little story here. When COVID first started, everything shut down a year ago at this time. You know, and we stayed at home. We shut my office down and everything in our West Texas town there was shut down. My wife and I had a chance to watch a lot of movies together. As you can imagine, we're a little different. We don't watch the same movies. I'm, I like the action movies, you know, and the law and order type movies. I like the court movies, being an attorney. My wife and I are different. She likes the Hallmark Channel. She loves Hallmark movies and wants to see them. You know, and I've asked her, why? Why do you like Hallmark Channels? She says, because I know the ending and it's going to be good. You know the ending to this story. You already know the ending and it's not good. It's real good. It's better than you can imagine. I wish I could describe, I can't even describe it for myself, how good the ending of this story is. You are fortunate in that you already know the ending to this story. There's no suspense. What can anybody do to you when you know I've got eternal life? You don't, I'm not going to die. When I close my eyes in physical death, I'm going to open my eyes in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And at some point in time, God's going to come back and take my body, which has been asleep, and pull it up out of the ground and make it a perfect body, incorruptible, full and complete. And I'm going to get my fingers back at some point in time at the end of time. I'll become whole and incorruptible. You know the ending. That's what I want to tell you. You already know the ending of this story. You're fortunate in the fact you've got ministers here that preach to you this story. You know the ending, and it's good, and it's happy, and it lasts forever. Thanks be to God. I appreciate your kind attention. My prayer is that the Lord will reach you best each other.